Good morning, everyone, and a very warm welcome to this special service to mark Prisoners Week. And as always, a very special welcome to members of our family and friends from around the world. I never get tired of saying that because it's such a gift uh, that previous generations could never have dreamt of. So welcome one and all. Our service this morning will be led by our Minister Katrina and by Bethany. And we'll also hear the voices of Esan and Anis, Emma and Graham E. As we sing along with recordings of ourselves, we'll hear Paul on keyboard. And in a minute or two, Mikan and Nikia will be lighting our candle and we're all invited to light our own candle at the same time. Thank you to everyone who has already donated to our Operation Agri-Harvest Appeal via our Just Giving page. And when we include the gift aid, we've already raised over £800 for Operation Agri's Tanzania Appeal. That Just Giving page will be open until the end of this month. So if you haven't had a chance to get around to making your donation yet, there's still plenty of time to do that. Then you may remember that last Sunday I asked if anyone who had some experience of accounting or bookkeeping or tracking costs uh, might be interested in attending a seminar organised by David Nichols uh, from BN Associates. For anyone who would like to explore the possibility of joining our finance team, either as a member of the team or as treasurer. Um, several people have uh, been in touch now to say that they'd be interested in that seminar but we'd really like this to be open to as many people as possible. You wouldn't be making a commitment uh, to join if you find that it's not for you, but the only way to really find out if you have this gift is to come along and see what's involved. So there's still time to do that. Drop me an email or give me a call if you'd like to be part of that seminar. It will happen on Zoom, of course. It won't be face-to-face. -face. At 7 p.m. this evening, we'll gather for evening worship on Zoom, when we'll be joined by friends from neighbouring churches. This evening's service will be led by Katrina and will be a reflective communion service. Just one piece of family news. Jenny asks for our prayers for her friend and colleague, Laura, who is seriously ill with COVID in the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. But like Jenny, Laura is a carer who spends all of her time looking after other people. Uh, and at the moment, she is greatly in need of care herself. She is a young person in the prime of life, and Jenny asks us to remember her. Next Sunday at 11am, Katrina will lead morning worship, and Jeff will lead evening worship at 7pm. Time now to light our candle. So Nikan and Nikia, it's over to you. As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's lights this day. Thank you so much. And it's a bit of a dull day, so it's good to be reminded of that light of Christ on our way. Some words from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for God's help. Then he listened to me and heard my cry. 
He pulled me out of a dangerous pit, out of the deadly quicksand. He set me safely on a rock and made me secure. He taught me to sing a new song, a song of praise to our God. Many who see this will take warning and will put their trust in the Lord. And so we're going to sing. We've got a bit of a Wesley fest going on this morning and we're going to sing what was actually my dad's favourite. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. So let's come to God in prayer. I'm going to lead us in prayer and then afterwards Esam and Anis are going to lead us in the Lord's Prayer in Farsi. Let's pray. God of freedom and justice, we gather this morning to worship you as people who have the freedom to choose how we will spend our day. 
and as people affected by the constraints and restrictions needed to stem the spread of a destructive global pandemic. We gather as people who have much for which to be thankful. And as people who experience disappointment and frustration when plans have to be changed. We gather as people who believe in justice. And as people who realise just how complex and confusing our world has become. God of mercy and grace, forgive us for the moments when we have been selfish or self-absorbed. Forgive us for the times when we've been silent when we ought to have spoken. Forgive us the opportunities we have let slip past and any regrets to which we cling. God of hope and a future, as your children, loved and cherished, restored and forgiven, help us to live the truths we profess, to share the blessings we receive, and to honour the one in whose name we pray, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. پاکه در آسمانی نام تو مقدس باد ملکوت تو بیاید اراده تو چنان که در آسمان است بر زمین نیست کرده شود نان کفاف ما را امروز به ما بده و گناهان ما را ببخش چنان که ما نیست آنان که بر ما بدی کردن را میبخشیم و ما را در آزمایش میابد بلکه از شریر رهاییده زیرا ملکوت قدرت و جلال از آن توست تا ابد آمین
um, year research project investigated HMP Berlinese visiting room by evaluating the experiences and interactions that occur through prison visiting. And perhaps now you are questioning if you have it right, and I did in fact complete a degree in geography, but I did, and I'm just as surprised as you that I would complete a dissertation on the prison environment. But there is a new and evolving subdiscipline of human geography formed by the academic Dominique Moran called Carceral Geographies. It aims to explore the complex nature of the geographically anchored site of connections and relations that are prisons. Research can involve the unique site-specific experiences that occur in carceral spaces. And we geographers love to explore how spatiality can influence how people interact with one another and with the space that they are in. Therefore, my research focused on the visiting room and involved interviewing prison staff and important organisations involved in criminal justice, specifically those with the aim of providing support to families affected by imprisonment and with the long-term goal of reducing reoffending. I feel so lucky to have been given the opportunity to learn about the experiences and the valuable support that these organisations offer. And I will outline briefly the important work being conducted inside and outside of Berlini. The majority of my research focused upon the family visiting room, a space created for developing and nurturing the relationship between fathers and their children, where they can move, hug and play, unlike in the main visiting room. The organisation Early Years Scotland run a father's programme where the fathers can discuss child development issues and attend bonding visits with their family. The aim is to maintain and sometimes rebuild family bonds during imprisonment in order to reduce the number of men reoffending. The Croft is the family visitor centre at Barlinny. It's located at the prison's entrance and they can offer support seven days a week to family members. They can provide advice regarding visits offer one-to-one -one chats, and they try and create an environment, an environment that is relaxed at what can be a very stressful time. They work closely with Families Outside, an organisation who give crucial support to families affected by imprisonment. They are often termed the hidden victims of crime, as families can find it challenging to book visits, travelling to and from the prison, and other issues surrounding the general running of their lives without the support of the person imprisoned. Through my research, I was fortunate enough to gain access to the family visiting room and spent time there talking to the family development officers who are crucial in facilitating the family visits. One of them offered to take me on a tour of the grounds. This took me by surprise and I felt slightly nervous about the prospect, but I knew that it was a great opportunity. She took me along the courtyard past the halls through a huge industrial sized kitchen and also to a small studio which was kitted out with equipment where the men can produce a radio show which details their lives as prisoners. But the last place we visited before going back to the visiting room was the church. And when Katrina asked me to give a reflection for today's service, I thought back to that moment and how quiet and peaceful the church felt, that you could almost forget what was outside of its doors. 
And that feeling of calm has been so useful as I reflect upon how faith connects to the research I did. I always seem to come back to forgiveness and how it can link to forms of rehabilitation like the Father's Programme. And forgiveness can be a challenge, but one that Jesus repeatedly tells us. We say every week, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But sometimes these words can be easier to say than to put into practice. However, my research has given me the insight into the importance of this forgiveness and its connection to a life beyond prison. During this period of nationwide lockdown, I fought back again to the research I had done, as people often spoke of themselves feeling imprisoned as they were told to stay home. And I even read an article of an ex-prisoner giving advice on how we can get through this. But then I interned with a lecturer at the University of Glasgow in August, who's beginning to write a research paper investigating how COVID has impacted prisons and their populations. I was to read sources from Inside Time, a prisoner-derived publication which is distributed and read in prisons. I was astonished at the presence of COVID restrictions and the underreporting of its consequence on the prison population. A major finding was the lasting impact the pandemic could have on the daily regime of prisons. Prisons are considering the complete removal of association time, the time prisoners are allowed out of their cell and to socialise with other prisoners. This was initially suspended as a measure to stop the spread of the virus, but has proven overall successful at controlling the prison population also. Only time will tell what the consequence of this may be, but I'm sure as a carceral geographer, I'll be watching with interest. Jeremiah 29, 10-14 This is what the Lord says. I have good plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a good future. Then you will call my name. You will come to me and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will search for me. And when you search for me, with all your heart, you will find me. I will let you find me. This message is from the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I force you to leave this place, but I will gather you from all 
the nations and places where I have sent you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to this place. Our second reading is from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. In the past, you were spiritually dead because of sin. Yes, in the past, your lives were full of those sins. You lived the way the world lives, following the ruler of the evil powers that are above the earth. That same spirit is now working in those who refuse to obey God. In the past, all of us lived like that, trying to please our sinful selves. We did all the things our bodies and minds wanted. Like everyone else in the world, we deserve to suffer God's anger just because of the way we were. But God is rich in mercy and he loved us very much. We were spiritually dead because of all we had done against him. But he gave us new life together with Christ. You have been saved by God's grace. Yes, it is because we are a part of Christ Jesus that God raised us from the dead and seated us together with him in heavenly places. God did this so that his kindness to us, who belonged to Jesus, would clearly show for all time to come the amazing richness of his grace. I mean that you have been saved by grace because you believed. You did not save yourselves. It was a gift from God. You are not saved by the things you have done, so there is nothing to boast about. God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us a new people so that we would spend our lives doing the good things he already planned for us to do. The final reading is from Luke 7, it's verses 36 to 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus over for a meal. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down at the dinner table. Just then, a woman of the village, the town harlot, having learned that Jesus was a guest in the home of the Pharisee, came with a bottle of very expensive perfume and stood at his feet, weeping raining tears on his feet. Letting down her hair, she dried his feet, kissed them, and anointed them with the perfume. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man was the prophet I thought he was, he would have known what kind of woman this is who is falling all over him. Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Two men were in debt to a banker. One owed 500 silver pieces, the other 50. Neither of them could pay up, and so the banker cancelled both debts. Which of the two would be more grateful? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. That's right, said Jesus. Then turning to the woman, but speaking to Simon, he said, Do you see this woman? I came to your home. You provided no water for my feet, but she rained tears on my feet and dried them with her hair. You gave me no greeting, but from the time I arrived, she hasn't quit kissing my feet. 
you provided nothing for freshening up. But she has soothed my feet with perfume. Impressive, isn't it? She was forgiven many, many sins. And so she is very, very grateful. If the forgiveness is minimal, the gratitude is minimal. Then he spoke to her. I forgive your sins. That set the dinner guest talking behind his back. Who does he think he is forgiving sins? He ignored them and said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The readings we heard this morning were some of those from Prisons Week resources and some that relate uh, to a very old CD, which we will be hearing um, bits from a little bit later on. In the prophet Jeremiah, we are told that God says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future. I don't know about you, but over the years, I have heard those words many, many times lifted out of their context and spoken to people who were struggling. And that has value. It does have value because these are important words and it's an important promise. But by lifting them out of their context, we also lose something very important because these words were spoken to a people in exile not prisoners exactly but certainly captives people whose freedoms had been curtailed and as part of that broader passage we hear that God says when 70 years have passed I will bring you out of this and take you home easy to lose that. Now does it mean 70 years precisely? I suspect not. The Bible is full of lots of symbolic language but 70 years that's like one and three quarter times the length of the wanderings in the wilderness if that was literally 40 years. So a very very long time. A very very long time that seemed interminable of longing to go home. In the psalm we heard about hanging up harps not hearts, uh, we've retained a typo from a few years back, but this, this grieving and longing for home and not knowing when it will come. 
And into that, God says, I have plans to prosper you. I want you to flourish. But not just, you know, it's not going to happen instantly overnight. There's a long journey to go. And perhaps that's something that is helpful for us to reflect on. Certainly um, for people in prison who hear these words, they hear it sometimes in the context of long sentences. There are even men and women with whole life tariffs who hear these words. So liberation physically won't happen, but the hope of God to flourish is still there. In Ephesians, we heard these words, God is rich in mercy and loved us very much. We were spiritually dead because of all we'd done, but God gave us new life together with Christ. You have been saved by God's grace. It's really easy to see how these words might speak to somebody who has been convicted of a serious crime and been sentenced to prison. They're hopeful words. They carry the promise that the God of mercy and love will give new life and that you can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't deserve it. It's a gift of grace. But these words aren't spoken to people who are bad. They're spoken to people who are good. To people like us, who are part of faith communities. Although the church I was attended as a, a teenager was quite a liberal United Reformed Church, when I went to university, I began to go to churches where there were testimonies and to events where there were testimonies. And very often somebody would be stood up on the stage and they would tell everybody what a miserable sinner they were, what a debauched and depraved life they'd had until they met Jesus. And I don't doubt for an instant that what they said was true. But there were two things that that did for me and neither of them was healthy. One of them was to make me the boringly good, obedient girl feel like a failure because you know my testimony well I stood outside this place I kind of thought well I can go my way or God's way and I decided to go God's way and nothing happened I just carried on so that you know perhaps I'm useless perhaps I'm not really there the other unhealthy thing it did was to make me think well do you know what I haven't got much to forgive you know I'm a good person I am and that kind of leads us on into the Luke story I think if forgiveness is minimal, gratitude is minimal. Because we've heard that story so many times, I suspect the shock of it just doesn't hit us. And that's partly why I chose the message paraphrase, because it, it goes beyond nice, polite, direct Bible translation to put a little bit more feeling into it. This one was the harlot. I just had a thought go through my head, so I might as well say it. She was a village bike and everybody had ridden her. That's the kind of woman we're talking about, as perceived by those there. Not a nice, well-behaved lady, but a lady of the night, apparently. And she'd heard that Jesus was going to be at this Pharisee's house. And, and of course, in those days, 
if you went to someone's house, you didn't literally go indoors. There would be a big courtyard and everybody could just come and go and gather there. And she comes and she does for Jesus the only thing she knows how to do. This is not a sexual act, but it is an incredibly intimate act. She comes to his feet, which are dusty and dirty and smelly because nobody's bothered to give him anything to wash or wipe his feet. And I presume she kneels because he would have been stretched out. And she starts to weep. And she takes down her hair, which probably to them symbolised something not particularly wonderful. And she dried her hair, his feet with her hair. And she started to, to anoint his feet with this very expensive perfume. Incredibly intimate act as she le leans in and she kisses those feet. Because in this man, she sees something, this hope, this future, this forgiveness, this grace. And of course, nice Simon, Pharisee, nice religious person, a bit like me probably at that stage, looks and thinks, oh my goodness gracious, does he actually know who this is? Who's doing this to him? And Jesus tells him this story and says, if you haven't been forgiven much, you won't be very grateful. But when you know you need to be forgiven, you'll be incredibly grateful. And this woman is incredibly grateful. And so she was set free from the chains of her sin, if you like, the shackles that had tangled her up for so long. It would take her the rest of her life to work out what it meant to live as a free, forgiven woman. I remember going to a church in a roughy, toughy kind of working class place once and the people came in and, and they didn't dress nicely like we dressed, but they were in their best clothes and their best clothes were, shall we say, a little bit revealing. But because they had come to worship God and to be with Jesus, they had done what they could, their absolute best. And that really taught me not to judge books by their covers, but to see what's going on inside. This woman didn't suddenly become a nice middle class person. She had all sorts of stuff she needed to work out. But she knew in her heart that she was forgiven. That God loved her and God promised her hope and a future. This week, I re-listened to one of the testimonies on the CD of Dartmoor Prison Worship Group. Um, it's actually 20 years old now, this CD that I have. A young man who is 23, who talks about at the age of 15, he got embroiled in drugs and stealing and goodness knows what, and was in and out, in and out of prison. And at the time the recording was made, he was 23 years old. So he will now be in his mid 40s. He may have finished his service, he, his sentence, sorry. He may be out on license. He may rebuild his life. I don't know. But what I do know is that he went to that place that Beth spoke about, not in Barlinny, but in Dartmoor. He went to the chapel. And it's one of the places prisoners can go. You don't have to ask permission. You don't have to get... Um, your probation officer or somebody to say, yep, that's okay. If you want to be part of the chapel, you can go to the chapel. 
And the prison chaplains of all faiths in the chapels seek to offer people that hope, that forgiveness, that, that new beginning. And this, this young man had gone to, to, the, to the service and he'd began to explore and he'd, he'd met Jesus in, in some sense. He discovered this God of love, the God who wanted to give him hope and a future. <coughs> Excuse me. And he would say, that his shackles had gone, his spirit was free, and he was walking into a future with Jesus. He's still got a roughy toughy voice. He's still got lots, certainly then, lots to learn about what it means to follow Jesus, as have we all. But he and those prisoners would choose to follow Jesus. The CD is a bit rough around the edges. I'm not going to pretend it's not. It may not be everybody's cup of tea. But these men really sing from the heart. And the piece we're going to hear in just a minute is called My Shackles Are Gone. And it talks about how God's forgiveness undoes the chains on their hearts, if you like. That though they are in prison, and some of these men will be on whole life tariffs, that actually there is a freedom, a release and a hope that comes from God. So we're going to hear the Dartmoor Prison Worship Band and a choir, uh, sorry, a congregation of 35 lads is how it describes it as they sing for us. My shackles are gone. Yeah. 
do love the exuberance of that and just the spontaneous applause at the end. These are people who I will never meet, but it blesses me whenever I hear them singing. We're going to come now to that God of freedom with our prayers for others and for each other. So let's pray. And I hope you can hear me over a purring pussycat. God of freedom and justice, mercy and grace, hope and a future. We bring to you our prayers for others and for each other. On this Prison Sunday, we pray for all who are in prison in these islands. We cannot begin to understand what it's like to live in close proximity to others we've not chosen and whose stories may be harrowing or distressing. We cannot begin to grasp the loneliness and isolation of being separated from family and friends and community and sometimes of being hundreds of miles away from those we love. Even as we have experienced national lockdown and local restrictions, we can't fully appreciate it, what it is like to experience a COVID pandemic from inside prison walls. This morning, we pray for all those in Barleni prison and especially those directly affected by this disease, that they will be well cared for and restored to wholeness. We pray for those who work in prisons in so many different ways. For prison governors and prison officers, that they may be just, fair and compassionate. For medical and psychiatric staff seeking to bring healing, understanding and hope. For educators in their work of equipping and empowering people for life beyond prison. For chaplains, paid and voluntary, as they listen, support, encourage and pray with those in prison. And as we have learned this morning, for those geographers who give their skills and their understanding to the work of creating spaces and understanding spaces where those in prison meet. We pray for victims of crime, recognising that humanly speaking, forgiveness may be difficult or even impossible. Surround with your love all who are in some way violated by the actions of others. Empower all who offer counselling to listen carefully and judge wisely. Equip those who work for restorative justice and reconciliation to be fair, compassionate and courageous. BMS World Mission invite us to focus our prayers on their work in Afghanistan 
a place where it is dangerous to be a follower of Jesus and where arrest and imprisonment are very real possibilities. We pray for the projects undertaken by BMS to support people of this precious nation who have lived with conflict and political instability for so very long. We pray for those whose work supports people at the extremes of life in maternal health care and in palliative care for those at the end of life. That they will be models of gentle compassion, mercy and grace. And we pray for those whose work is concerned with community infrastructure and agriculture. That their work would prove to be liberating and empowering for those among whom they serve. Among our Baptist churches here in Scotland, we pray for the congregations in Perth, in Peterhead and in Pitlochry, as they seek to be communities of grace and hope among their neighbours. And this week we pray for the Irish Baptist networks as they seek to connect and encourage one another across the island of Ireland. As we here in Glasgow, along with the rest of the central belt, acclimatise to the requirements that are in place for our own safety. We pray for each other, aware that the impact may be different for each of us. And we pray for other people across these islands in different tiers, in different levels of local restriction and local lockdown, all trying to find their way through this time. Help us to be kind, to be gentle with ourselves and others, to be gracious and forgiving, knowing that we're loved by you. Today from our own church, we name before you our Link Missionary Christine in Gifts or Yvette. Our former student Nicola and her family on the Isle of Butte. Adi, Morgi, Esther and David. Elham, Ali, Benjamin and Bardia. Nasi, Sal, Nikan and Nikia. Lilius and her family. Marit and Tom and Alan. The whole world is embraced in the diversity of our church. And Lord, in their unique circumstances and their shared humanity, watch over them, guide and strengthen them and keep them safe. In a week when we have heard of growth in cases of coronavirus in our city and affecting at least two of our hospitals, we pray for all whose work is to care for people with this terrible disease. And especially we bring to you Laura, known to Jenny, as she is so very ill at this time and pray that your love will surround her and your healing will be upon her. In a few moments of quiet, we bring to God the prayers and thoughts of our own hearts.
We offer all of these prayers in the name of the compassionate, gentle, liberating, hope-giving Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
save their souls. He will redeem their life from oppression and violence, and precious shall be their blood in his sight. 